And now, Father, we've come to the time in this service where we open the pages of your word and expect an encounter. Oh God, you're the God who encounters us. You meet with us. You engage us. You're our God, and we're your people. And we're here today because we want to worship you, and we want to hear what the Spirit has to say to us. Touch us these next few moments as we spend them in your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. If you would, please put Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 8 up there. Just to summarize where we are with this study, we have had the revelation in chapter 1, verse 10. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You see, you, you don't see many spiritual things until you get in the Spirit. And John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It's another message that I preach about victory over circumstances. But he was on a barren rock, a penal colony of the Roman government. He, it was a rock quarry where they literally took sledgehammers and beat rocks and crushed them to pave the Roman roads. Patmos is a little island about 17 miles out into the Aegean Sea. If you go to visit uh, and do the retracing the missionary trips of the Apostle Paul, you'll make a stop at uh, that island. You'll, you'll be there. And, and the pathos of that is that that's where the revelation, now many people call it revelations. It's not revelations, it's revelation. There's no S on it. It's just one because it's the revelation of the Lord Jesus. Amen. It is a study in the culmination of this whole plan of God that helps us understand that we are moving toward a day. The Bible said, God hath appointed a day. When Jesus was on the earth, he said, no man knows that day. Angels don't know. And when Jesus was on the earth, he said, the son didn't know, but the father knew. Nobody knows but the father. I would assume by the time he's got back to heaven now, he probably knows. I, I don't know, know about that. That's just speculation on my part, but I think he probably knows now. But one day, an ordinary day just like this day, the Lord Jesus will return. And he'll stop somewhere between where he is now and where we are. And a strange phenomenon will happen. This earth will lose its gravitational pull on all saints of God. The graves of sleeping saints will burst wide open. And they will come forth with a brand new body like his own glorious body. Amen. And when that happens, then we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That occurs in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. And the church is not seen anymore in the earth until Revelation 19 and 11 when we come back at what we call the second coming of Christ. Now the second coming of Christ and the catching away of the saints is two different events. The catching away of the saints is what we call the rapture of the church. And Jesus is not coming all the way back to the earth. He'll stop somewhere and we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. At the second coming of Christ, Revelation 19, 11, he will come back all the way to the earth. 
and the armies of heaven, who is us, will follow him. Praise God. What a wonderful time that will be. And then there's going to be a battle fought called a battle of Armageddon. It will be fought on the plains of Megiddo. Uh, There's a little village that is there. We visited it many times. And to look out over that plain of Megiddo would really send a chill up your spine because you realize one day, and the Bible said the blood would run up to the horse's bridles. It would be such a devastating battle. Well, what are we doing all that time in heaven? Well, let's uh, talk about it. We've, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 tells us that up, upon his people, God has appointed 70 weeks. And they are in increments of uh, 7 weeks and 62 weeks and 1 week. We're right now between the 69th week and the 70th week. The 70th week, Daniel's 70th week, is what we call the tribulation period. A week means seven in the Bible, not necessarily days, but a week. It's a week of years in this instance. For seven years, we will go and be with the Lord in heaven. Amen. We'll have glorified bodies. And some of that activity we did in the last message, we talked to you about Jesus standing in the midst of the throne, having the seven-sealed book in his hand. And a hunt was made trying to find, search was made trying to find someone that was worthy to take the book and loose the seals. And John said, I wept because no one was worthy. No one was found worthy. And he said, one of the elders said to him, weep not for the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David hath prevailed to take the book and to loose the seals thereof. So we find this one personality who is at one time the lamb and the lion. Lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And we sing a redemption song, Revelation 5 and 9. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to loose the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us unto God of every kindred, people, language, tongue, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with him upon the earth. Praise God. Now then, we're going from that scene into a another scene, and that is the loosening of the seals. Chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. Thunder usually announces there's a storm coming. Thunder usually lets you know. Uh, my brother used to call it that old under. We'd be down at my grandmother's and as children it would thunder. And Donnie would say, oh no, now we got to go home. That old under. That old thunder causes you to watch out for a storm that's coming. And that's what this means too also. That the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. Inviting him to come into a revelation. Verse 2. And I saw him behold a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Hold that verse because it's very important. Verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, 
come and see. Next verse. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Next verse. And when he had opened the third seal, come and say, and behold, a, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Next verse. And when he'd opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword, and to hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Now, let's take those four horsemen. Back when Notre Dame had that great backfield many years ago, they called it, them the four, four horsemen. But I assure you that that is nothing like the significance of these four hus horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, when John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and he saw this great picture taking fold of the Lord Jesus in heaven, standing at the throne with a book in his hand. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 through 22 says, For then shall be great tribulation, such was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, this period of, of one week that we're living right now between 69th week and 70th week, and that's called the church age. It's called the open door age. It's the Philadelphian age. And it is a day of opportunity for people to be saved. It is a day when God's people should be busying themselves with spreading the gospel so that all who believe can be included in this number that is worthy, that transcendent worthiness of Christ. Hallelujah. That we're going to escape all of these things that I'm talking about today. If you're here and you're saved by the blood of Jesus and your name is in the Lamb's book of life, this has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with saved people. We're in heaven with the Lord Jesus, eating the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're celebrating the Lordship of Jesus, singing redemption song, and just basically, well, the judgment seat for rewards. So all of those things will go on in, in heaven while we're in heaven with the Lord. Now, the tribulation period is divided into two parts. The first 42 months or three and a half years are called the tribulation. 
But the great tribulation is the last three and a half years. Because unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, the Antichrist will change his policy. He will deceive and he will uh, make a, a, a pact with Israel that if they will let him sit on the temple in Jerusalem and be called God, wow, that's when he breaks his policy and that's when he demands to be worshipped as God. And that's when things really start to deteriorate fast, when he breaks his policy. Now that first rider that we talked about rode a white horse. And what will happen there is that his entryway into uh, the world will be on a theme of peace, peace and safety. How many of you know this world's in a mess right now? And how many of you know that the more mess it gets in, the more likely is the stage is being set for the Antichrist to come? His theme will be peace and safety. But when men begin to say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes and they shall not escape, the Bible says. So we have here the introduction of a man whose, whose theme is peace. He says, trust me, I've got all the answers. Trust me, I can fix the economy. Trust me, I can get rid of the pandemic. Trust me, I can make life better for you. You'll get richer and you'll get... You'll get more healthy and be more prosperous. Trust me. If you'll just trust me. You say, well, surely, Brother Irwin, people with good mind and good sense would never fall for a scheme like that. Well, in the late 30s, there was a man named Hitler that sold a pack of lies and deception to all the German people and made them somehow to believe that they were a superior race. And the Aryan race was favored by God also and that it was meant for them to rule. And you say, well, Brother Jerry, nobody would buy that kind of stuff. Well, they really did. If you don't believe it, just read Mein Kampf. It tells the story of the intentions of how Hitler intended to rule the world. Well, the world has been plagued with people like Hitler for a long time. There have been the Alexander the Greats and the Napoleons, the Napoleonic Wars. All of that was an effort for, to become a world ruler, a world dictator. And somehow or another, this world is looking for that person now. The European common market, which is made up of European, in fact, it's the revitalized old Roman uh, Empire. And they issued a statement not long ago, we're looking for a person. A person that can lead us out of this mess that we're in. And when we find him, we will follow him infinitely. Wow. Wow. That sounds a whole lot like deception, doesn't it? Deception. This verse in the, Jeremiah 30 and 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved 
out of it. Hallelujah. He shall be saved. So then there are many commentators that, that read that the tribulation period will be localized. It will be just only in the region of Israel and those surrounding nations around it. But that's not the way I read the Bible. The way I read the Bible is the whole world will be involved in the tribulation period. It is a time of Jacob's trouble. It is judgment upon Israel for all of their refusals to follow and accept God and their refusal to accept the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name and you will not receive me. But another shall come in his own name and him you will receive. That's a startling announcement right there. Daniel 12 and 1, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of God's people. Do you know that you've got an angel that is fighting for God's people? Did you know that there is an angel called Michael that fights? And I want to tell you, he hates the devil. He despises the devil. In Daniel 9, you'll read about how Daniel said, I sought the Lord and fasted for 21 days and said, the Lord wanted to reveal to me the book of Revelation. And he said, I was told by the Lord, by an angel, that God had a message for me. But the prince of Persia resisted him that's another name for the devil, resisted him. And for 21 days, I sought the Lord and fasted and prayed, but could not receive the message. But on the 21st day, well, now I'm going to get a little Pentecostal. I've been a little bit prophetic, but I might get a little Pentecostal here. On the 21st day, the Bible said God sent Michael. Now I can just imagine that Michael was on the sideline this whole time. Let me get him. I imagine that Michael was looking on saying, when are you going to turn me loose here and let me fight him? But on the 21st day, the Lord released him. And the Bible said he had, the devil had worked against Gabriel and wouldn't let Gabriel. And the Bible said, so when Michael fought against the devil, he defeated him. You mean God's people can take part in a victory that was won by an angel? You mean if God had a message for me, he would be willing to send Michael to clear the way so that the messenger could get to me? Are you telling me that God wants to bless me with something and the devil is fighting it, but God sends angels that clears the way for me to be blessed by what God wants me to have? Hallelujah. That's great stuff, isn't it? I like that. Michael, the angel of God's people. Michael, the guy who fights for us and fights for God's people. He was fighting against the devil so that that message could get through to Daniel concerning the 70 weeks. 
Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. That white horse of deception is so powerful that many people believe that that's already over with. But this event hasn't taken place yet. They go back and try to find the Holocaust and try to uh, find the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki as being the beginning of the nuclear age and it also becoming, they say that's when all of this, no, the world has not seen a time like this is going to be. And I want to tell you that man on the white horse, some people say is Jesus, that's not Jesus. Some people think that white horse rider with the loosening of the first seal is Jesus, but that is not Jesus. Jesus is standing in the midst of the throne with the book in his hand. He's loosening seals in heaven. He's not here on the earth. But with the loosening of the first seal, you get the introduction of the deceiver, the pseudo-Christos. Now, what's the difference in a pseudo-Christos and an anti-Christos? An anti-Christos is one who works against the will of God. A pseudo-Christos is another Christ. So the title for when John said many antichrists have gone out in the world, he's using the word antichristos. There are many that oppose God and oppose his church, oppose his word, oppose his spirit, and fight against him. And he calls them antichrist or antichristos. But when he talks about the antichrist in, in this message I'm preaching to you, he calls him the pseudo-christos or another Christ. Or the new Christ. Wow. So Jesus is not the white horse rider. Why is he not the white horse rider, Pastor? Because the man who is on the cross is the Antichrist. And because Jesus is breaking seals, he is, he's not seen in any place but heaven. He could not be the rider of the white horse. This rider wears a crown. Jesus wears many crowns. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Crown him Lord of all. This rider wears a Stephanos, a victor's crown. His crown is a prize. Jesus wears the diademos, which is many crowns for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The writer in these verses has a crown given to him. This man was appointed to be a king by men. This writer is given a crown that he has earned. Jesus wears his crown because he is who he is. He's the son of the living God. He's the eternal one. He is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. And he wears his crowns because of who he is, not what he's done. He is the king of kings by birthright. Jesus is not given a crown. He gives crowns. Hallelujah. This writer carries a bow. Jesus carries a sword. When you get over to 1911, the Bible said that on his thigh was a name that it was written that no man knew but he himself. Hallelujah. His vesture was dipped in blood and he, 
He had a, an inscription that said, King of kings and Lord of lords. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Amen. To smite the nations. Jesus had a sword. The Antichrist has a bow. Wow. That's shouting stuff, isn't it? A bow. Now we know that this man is not the Christ. Let's find out about who he is. He's a man of peace. If you will notice the bow, but there's no arrows. When he comes in, he will come in with peace. And he'll come in with an ideology of establishing an ideal situation for man. He has a bow, but no arrows. Wow. Because his anthem and his sales pitch is all about deception. Deception. That implies that he will conquer the world without bloodshed. His bow has no arrows. So he will conquer and become the Antichrist and the leader dictator of the world without shedding blood. Wow. Comes in on a white horse bringing a promise of peace, solutions, answers, explanations. He comes as a savior to a world that is desperate to be saved. Historian Arnold Tonby said this, We are ripe for someone who can promise to give peace and to give tranquility to the earth. We will deify that individual. That means make a God out of him. We will deify that individual if he comes. Well, he is coming and the world will love him. And the world will take him to be the, the Christ that they're looking for. He's not only a man of peace, he's a man of power. We're told he went forth to conquer and conquering. We're told that a crown was given to him, the conqueror's crown, the Stephanos. By whatever means he uses, the Antichrist will be given the key to the world. Wow. The leaders of the nations of earth will bow at his feet and grant him the right to rule over the entire world. The nations of the world have denied that right to the Lord Jesus Christ the Savior of the world, the Son of God, but they will grant that privilege to this child of the devil. He's a man of pretense. Deception and false hope become the tools that he uses. Next we come to another horse rider, and he's a red horse rider. Red is the color of destruction. It's the color of fire. It's the color of blood. Fire has the power to devour and destroy. And when the fires of this war are unleashed upon this earth, there will be bloodshed on an unprecedented level. This seal unleashes a time of war such as the world has never known. War. Boy, there's 121 wars going on in our globe right now. But can you imagine a time when everybody is at war? Can you imagine a time that every country in South America is at war with all the countries in North America? Wars, race wars, all kind of wars. 
a spirit of war will include all the earth. Everybody is at war. Can you imagine the bloodshed, the millions of people that will die? One writer said one-fourth of the world's population. Because now we don't just fight with swords and spears, we fight with bombs. And we kill entire cities. We destroy entire countries. Wow. It's frightening when you look at the arsenal that countries like America and China and Russia have at their disposal. The power to annihilate the whole world. And it's interesting when they unravel some documents that have been classified that are no longer classified and you find out how many times we came close. When Khrushchev was the premier in Russia, there was this fear that he would go in some night in a drunken state, which he often did, and start pushing buttons. But that old song reads clear to me this morning. This world is not my home. I may leave most any time. Glory to God. I want to tell you this world as it is right now is not my final home. My home is in heaven. My citizenship is in heaven from whence I look for the Lord of glory. I've heard the, the call. I've answered the call. My salvation is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of whom I am and who I serve. That peace that is broken and everyone's at war. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. He puts himself ahead of everything that God is and everything that God claims as his own. Opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Wow. Well, there's all, been all kinds of folks that were said they were Jesus. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that this red horse rider will come in saying that he is God. The war, the spirit of war, the deception, the awful, calamitous things that will happen on this earth, the planet will be brutalized by all the things that are going on. Imagine a world that is consumed by war, nations fighting nations, class wars, religious wars. Peace will be elusive for everybody. The world is ripe for a war like that today. Ripe for it. Can you imagine what, if you took all the Christians out of the world, 
all the praying mamas, all the Bible reading dads, all the gospel preaching preachers, all the missionaries. If you took all of that out of the world, you see, the only thing that is preserving this world right now is light and salt. The people of God are the salt of the earth. The people of God are the children of light. And light and salt is all in the world that's holding this thing together. The presence of God's people. And let me tell you this. Second Thessalonians chapter 6, verse 2. The Bible tells us that only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. I like to think we're in the way of the devil. I like to think that we're knocking him out of something he wants to do. I like to think that I'm in his way. Hmm. Sometimes Tina Debbie gets her cleaning spirit on and she'll tell me, best thing you can do is get out of here. Because you're in my way. I need to move that chair you're sitting in and you need to get out of here and get out of my way. Glory to God. One of these days, I'm going to get out of the way. One of these days when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to get out of the way. One of these days when graves burst wide open and sleeping saints hear his voice and come forth, I'm going to get out of the way. Someday just like this day when the Lord appears in glory and the trumpet sounds, I'm going to get out of the way. Praise God. But as long as I'm in this world, only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Then, when is then? After we're taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed. Whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power. Well, now right there is a key that we're not going to be here. Because as long as God's church is in this world, the power of God is vested in His church. Acts 1 and 8. Behold, I give you power. Power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And after he had spoken these words, a cloud received him up out of their sight. And two men in white apparel, angels, said to them, Why do you stand here? Gazing upward into the heavens for this same Jesus which you see going away shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go. 
One day I'm going to get out of the way. One day harvest won't be the salt that's keeping the rottenness from overwhelming. One of these days, praise God, that life that harvest is in this area, in this region, every church that names the name of Jesus and preaches the gospel, one day that light's going to go out and we're going to get out of the way. And immediately after we get out of the way, the white horse rider is going to come in. And those three, first three and a half years are going to be prosperous years. Things are going to go good until in the middle of the week he breaks his policy. And when he breaks his policy, he demands that everyone be marked with a signet of identification. And no, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. We're not even the tribulation period yet, let alone a mark. Praise God that the Lord hath not appointed us under wrath. When all of that wrath and all of that indignation is poured out, praise God. Where are you going to be, Brother Jerry? I'm going to be in, in the, inside with the door shut about me. Isaiah 26 and 20, Come, my people, enter thy into thy chambers and shut the door about you. While the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth. My Lord, where are you going to be when all of those vials are poured out? Where are you going to be when that, all those seven trumpets sound and the last one brings those vials of wrath, those bowls of wrath that's poured out? Where are you going to be, Pastor? I'm going to be safe in my chamber with the door shut about me. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man shall enter in by me, he shall be saved. In the Roman letter, Paul said that we may escape the wrath to come. And 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 says, For God hath not appointed us unto wrath and punishment and judgment, but he's, glory to God, appointed us unto salvation. Salvation. Salvation means deliverance. God has appointed us unto deliverance. Can you believe that? Not to wrath. All that I'm preaching about has no nothing to do with you. All that I'm preaching about is going to happen sometime in the future, but it doesn't have anything to do with you because you're in your chamber with the door shut about you. You're safe in the Lord Jesus who has not appointed us unto wrath. God hath not appointed us to wrath, not appointed us to indignation. And when all of that's taken place, praise God, you're going to be in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The rider on that horse, that black horse, has in his hands a set of scales that indicates to us that the tribulation period will be marked by severe shortages in the necessities of life. We know very little about that today in our time. We go to a grocery store and have impulse buying and all kind of stuff. They tell you don't go to the grocery store hungry. You'll buy twice as much food. Ration books will be handed out and people will be using coupons like they did back in war days to obtain things they need. Things that we take for granted like sugar, coffee, butter, meat, cheese, 
canned goods, shoes, gasoline will be rationed. Why? Because this horse rider is a black horse rider which tells you there will be time of want upon the earth. A time of lack. Wow. Pastor, I'm sure glad you said we wasn't going to be here for that. I'm glad we're not either. I'm glad God has made a provision, made a way for every one of us. Verse 6 tells us in Revelation 6, verse 6 tells us something of a problem that will exist. A biblical measure would be enough food to feed a grown working man for one day. A penny is a denarius, which was a day's wages. Wheat is the food from which bread is made. Barley was used primarily to feed livestock. And at times, it was consumed by the very poor. Think what that means. People will have to make some hard choices. People who cannot get out and work for themselves will be left to starve to death so that workers can eat. It will be a terrible time marked by terrible starvation. Every 3.6 seconds, somebody in this world dies of starvation. Every year, 15 million children die of starvation. Four million people starve to death every year. 1.3 billion people live on less than $1 of income per day. Another 3 billion have to try and survive on less than $3 per day. What are you telling us that for, Pastor? That's to let you know that those situations do exist. But when that is felt all over the world, not just in one area like Bangladesh or Rwanda, when every nation is feeling that kind of want. That great divide exists. The average American puts enough food in the trash can every day to feed a family of six in India. For the price of one missile, a school full of hungry children could eat lunch every day for five years. Throughout the 1990s, more than 100 million children died from illness, disease, and starvation. Those 100 million deaths could have been prevented for the price of 10 stealth bombers or what the world spends on its military in just two days. To satisfy the world's sanitation and food requirements would cost $13 billion. But that is what the people of the United States and the European Union spend on perfume. The assets of the world's three richest men are more than the combined GNP of all the least developed countries on this planet. Wow. So when you start contemplating how something that terrible could happen, but then you get to the last horse rider, and he is the pale horse rider. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. The pale horse rider, pale in color, comes from the Greek word that gives us the English words chlorophyll and chlorine. The word means a very milked out green. 
It refers to the sickly yellow-green pallor of a corpse. A pale horse rider. What is he bringing to this discussion about what's going on in the earth? There will be a lot of deaths in the world. There will be a lot of brutality and a lot of devastation. The methods death will use to claim the great number of people are listed in this very verse that we just quoted. Famine, sword, death. It refers to the deaths apart from war and famine. In Matthew 24 and 7, Jesus said, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in divers places. Pestilence. Death. Like I said, this has nothing to do with you. This is what's going on on the earth during the period we call the tribulation period. And oh, that's not even dipping. You say, well, Pastor, you sound so drab and so macabre today. Well, there's nothing good I can say to you about people who miss the rapture of the church and are left here for the tribulation period. There's no inspiration. There's nothing, no encouragement. Nothing I can say that'll make you feel better if you miss the rapture of the church. Mama Wooten used to say, if we miss the rapture, we're burnt. And you know, that's true. That's true. So it pays to make sure that your name is in a book. That your name is in a book. What is that book, Pastor? It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. I rise above all doubt and fear and read my title clear. I know, I know my name is there. I know, I know my name is written there. Is your name there? Is your name there? I was in a lawyer's office uh, this week and he was asking me to sign some documents there to close a deal for my son. And he said, Rankin, Jerome? I said, yep, my mama had real bad brain fog. Can't think of anybody in our family named Rankin, Rocky. Where in the world Rankin came from? Closest I can come is my grandmother was buried at a place called Rankin's Cove. Why would you name somebody the name of a cemetery? Kind of like that song that they sang, A Boy Named Sue. Who named you Rankin? And I wrote it down, Rankin said, it's got to be, I said, I just can't just write Jerry Irwin. No, we need your full name. And I had to write it probably 25 or 30 times. So I went out of there well reminded 
But one day there's going to be a time when I rejoice over that name and hearing that name. One of these days when the roll is called up yonder. Hallelujah. One of these days when the lamb stands beside the lamb's book and begins calling out names. Brother, when he says, Rankin, Jerome, Irwin, I'm going to stand up. Here I am. Praise God. You got me. Make sure you know that your name is there. Make sure you know that everything's all right between you and God. And should the trumpet sound right now, you'd rise to meet him. If you're not ready, there's a prayer you need to pray. Stand to your feet. I want you to pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know there's a rapture. I know those also know there's a future judgment. And I want to prepare today, this day, that I will live at that time safe in the blood of Jesus, safe in my chamber with the door shut about me. Anything in my life that should not be, I ask you now, cleanse me, forgive me, wash me, in your blood, and make me clean, in Jesus' name. Woo! The wonderful thing about knowing Jesus is you can clear your slate from time to time. You ever need to take out the dirty laundry? Need to come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, Examine me, search me, see if there be some wicked way in me, see if there's some root of bitterness that would hinder me from going in that rapture, see if there's some grudge or some habit that I'm not eligible to go that would disqualify. Lord, in Jesus' name, deliver me from whatever that is, whatever habit, whatever grudge, whatever situation. In Jesus' name, free me from that and deliver me from that. Praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What an emancipator he is. What a freedom-giving Jesus he is. Hallelujah. About 30 seconds of the best you got. Come on, I tell them you can do this better than anybody can. Best you got. Best you got best you got. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I love it. Praise God. Now may the God of all grace and the God of all peace give you peace and understanding and blessed uh, health and prosperity as you go out of these doors to be the light and the salt in the earth. God bless you. God strengthen you is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You be careful and have a great week.